Warning, Weird West Radio contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. to Weird West Radio, Rayman Digital's exclusive Western show. I am Michael, your host, and in the studio with me today is David Sabal. Hello, Dave. How's it going, everybody? Okay, so today we have a show centered around all the upcoming Western films and TV shows. There's a lot to look forward to in 2023, and then... Towards the second half of the show, David, we have some things planned that center around the upcoming remake slash reboot of Stephen King's Dark Tower. Oh, yeah. That's I, I'm so excited for that series, honestly, because Dark Tower, dude, is like one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. It's literally constructed based on the inspirations of everything we like spaghetti westerns the lord of the rings books from tolkien absolutely how awesome you you think spaghetti western and tolkien and you would like eh, that doesn't really go together and yet stephen king brought those two properties together in an amazing way and the crazy thing by far when you look at stephen king now before dark tower Stephen King literally because of dark tower created his own universe because of dark tower. Yeah. Because all of his books now, everyone constantly who are fans of his now connect all the books all together in the dark tower universe. I mean, he was doing the multiverse before people were doing the multiverse. Yeah. It's like crazy that basically like no one's really talked about it, but he kind of started the whole thing under everyone's radar. Yeah. I mean, he's created a transmedia empire when you really think about when it you think about the it. stories are being told via television books comics movies he has an empire a cosmology that's fantastic that i don't think anyone except maybe lucasfilm and cbs has done with star wars and star trek i mean what else can rival stephen king's universe his he cosmology can, his cosmology he created is amazing when you think about it i mean you could say possibly the mcu now Mm -hmm. but that's relatively recent and that's mostly movies. I mean, you're talking books, movies, TV shows across the board on both star Wars, star Trek and Stephen King's front. Yeah. I don't think, I think those are the top three. So we will get into that. I believe David, most people are well aware of my complete hatred of the dark tower movie. <laughs> you and me. Both. I mean, I don't even want to call it dark tower because it wasn't what it was was a piece of shit. 
That's what it was, Dave. It was the only thing that was good about it was Idris Elba. Idris Elba was a badass in it. And what a shame to cast Idris Elba in something that could have been amazing. I didn't have a problem with him being the gunslinger. He yeah. ha- he has a, such a great look, Idris Elba, and such awesome swagger. So when he was cast, I didn't care. I mean, I thought about some of the racial implications. As we know, the Dark Tower does have some social commentary pertaining to race. Yeah. So that did throw me off a bit. But dude, the, honestly, his performance as the gunslinger is the only bright spot in that film because when he utters the gunslinger oath, yep, that gave me that 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 is the only thing that gave me chills as a fan watching him do that and then basically doing the whole oath while he's trying to shoot the man in black. Yeah. So we'll get into that. We have a lot to get through before we get into all those topics. First off. I want to make sure everyone out there is aware. If you're a new listener, you can find all of our shows past, present, and in the future, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts, just search weird West radio. Our preferred feeds are iTunes and Spotify because of the algorithmic features. When you leave reviews and give us a thumbs up, it triggers those algorithms and it allows more people to find our show. So please do that. Okay, Dave, let's start with Horizon. It's a four-movie event directed by Kevin Costner. From what I can gather, this is going to be Kevin Costner's magnum opus. Like, this is going to be an epic. And it wasn't meant to be originally. I want to say the original concept for Horizon was going to be a television series. Yeah. Now. A lot of this project and what they have planned has a lot to do with what's going on from the Yellowstone front. As we know, Kevin Costner is neck deep in Yellowstone, Yellowstone, Yellowstone. And there's been rumors that he may leave at the end of the upcoming season. However, the studio has jumped on that rumor and said that is not correct. However, we keep hearing more and more about Kevin Costner possibly leaving Yellowstone or at least limiting his his involvement in some way. He has already asked the studio behind Yellowstone to cut the filming days. He limited himself, according to this recent report, Kevin Costner has limited himself to just 65 days of filming per season on Yellowstone. Yeah. And he cut that down to 50 days. For the first half of the season five and then proposed working only one week for the second half, according to sources uh, as reported via deadline. And when you think about it, I can understand the studio immediately trying to, you know, get in front of this, so to speak, because like Yellowstone, Kevin Costner, without Kevin Costner, I don't think Yellowstone would ever be as good as it is. I, I think it can be now. It can be now. It can be now because they got a really good cast that's already set. But from its get-go, the driving force of the entire series has been Kevin Costner's character. Agreed. Agreed. However, I think after the first season and you get to know all the characters and just how how detailed this world is that they created, I, I don't feel like it hinges on him any longer. I mean, especially with with all the spinoffs, with the Sam Elliott spinoff and then the Harrison Harrison Ford Ford. spinoff. And I believe there's going to be another one in the works. I I don't feel like 
it hinges, the success of Yellowstone hinges on Kevin Costner any longer. Not to say there wouldn't be people, including myself, that would be disappointed, but the show has managed to really cut through in such a big way within pop culture that I, I don't feel like Kevin Costner leaving would actually hurt the show. In fact, in a lot of ways, it without spoilers, because if you have not watched yes. it, you should. It feels like they've been leading in that direction of his departure since the very beginning. Since the very beginning. Of season because, one. Like, well, his character is kind of like getting to be that old guard. It's, it's all about in, him getting his kids ready to take over. Yes. And that's the, that's the kind of like the overall, just an overall story is kind of like, he's that in a lot of ways, he's the cowboy who can't give up. He, he the, everything constantly keeps coming back to him. Right. And at the long run, he is trying to set up his family for their future. But you know, what, <laughs> what happens to him? I don't want to give away too many spoilers because like, dude, the story of Yellowstone is in season one, this is one of those series that has surprised me so much and made me into a big fan of it because I didn't expect it to really be that great. Well, because it is without a doubt. It isn't just a neo-Western. It is a true Western. It's a true, it, honest to God Western. Whereas you can look at something similar. Let's say Longmire or, or Justified. Certainly there are moments, and those I bring those up because those are both neo contemporary westerns yes. there are moments in in episodes where they definitely utilize the typical western genre themes and motifs absolutely but not the entire, se- not season. The entire season yellowstone is a western yeah through and through from beginning to end the themes the related motifs, what they're saying, the metaphors, civilization versus industry, it is there. It is without a doubt 100% a Western. And that's why I love the show because it's not just simply borrowing a Western vibe or a Western look. It is a it Western. It is a Western. Instead, it's kind of like the opposite of a Longmire and a Justified where Longmire and Justified, just like what you said, take those elements of a Western and kind of wrap it around their story where it's like... um you know, more, more based in like paying homage to a Western. There you go. Yeah. And like, I can agree with that. Yellowstone though is like, no, no, it's a flat out Western. It's a Western. Yeah. And every time you think that they're going to, uh, they're going to like delve, they're going to like break away. And suddenly it's going to be like justify where it's like, no, it's, it's like a cop drama and justified in Yellowstone. All of a sudden you always expect it to break away and suddenly give us something that we're normally used to on television. And they say, no, we're going to bring that element in. Yeah. And like, say for example, like the, the stuff with the biker gang, very reminiscent of like sons of anarchy. And you'd expect that type of style to all of a sudden take over a Western, but they're like, no, this is a Western. Yeah. We're not going to, we're not going to allow another type of genre just to invade our show. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, Taylor Sheridan is just killing it oh, with the is. Yellowstone franchise. I am anxious to see where it goes from here. But let's bring it back to what our main topic is, which is uh, Horizon with Kevin Costner. But we had to cut through all that Yellowstone news because a lot of it, a lot of the Horizon stuff seems to hinge on Yellowstone. And, and his departure. Right. Or or his 
not but departure, but simply cutting back his filming day so he can make sure he get this project done. Yeah. Now, Horizon is set up at Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema and is produced by Costner's Territory Pictures. Uh, in June 2022, Costner told Variety that the story for the four films covers 15 years. Audiences will be introduced to settlers and indigenous groups living in the American West. And he goes on to say, it's a really beautiful story. It's a hard story. Uh, it really involves a lot of women, to be honest. There are a lot of men in it too, but the women are really strong in Horizon. It's just them trying to get by every day in a world that was impossibly tough. They were often dragged out to these places because that's where the men wanted to go. Women were following their men. They had asked to be in these territories that were unsettled and dangerous, and life wasn't easy. He says, I've chosen to make sure that was really obvious that wasn't easy and how vulnerable people were. Now, Horizon was initially sold as an event television movie. Yeah. Which is more and more becoming the thing. Uh, Costner told Variety, however, it sounds like he would prefer people experience it for the first time on the big screen. So the strategy has changed, especially over the last year and a half with the rise of the Western. And I don't want to say just in the year and a half, the Westerns have resurged because I'd say this has been happening now. This resurgence of the Western form has, I want to say it's been, it's been in the works since 2012, 2013, where we're seeing more and more Western movies and TV shows popping up. Thank, thanks mostly to the rise of the streaming services and more and more films being made for smaller platforms oh, yeah. because there, there aren't those, um, potential box office pitfalls, putting together a large budget, $30 million for a Western, and then no one goes to see it and it bombs at the box office. So well, because we have these new avenues of distribution, it's made a way for the Western to find um, a new way to get out to the audiences. Exactly. I think that that's the, the, the strategy that studios have now learned with dealing with certain genres. You know, we talk about how, the superhero movie genre is now gangbusters. It is number one. That is what everyone constantly makes on their top of the list when it comes to studios. Right. Now with the lower genres, like say a war, uh, uh, a war film or a horror film or a Western. Now, now like production companies are looking at it and saying, how can we get those genres back up? Mm. And I totally agree with you. The example of, a, of how we do Westerns now is perfectly how like a, the, all the studios have now looked and say, this is how we can actually bring back a genre. How can we actually like take a genre and start making it more popular with the audience without having to pay that big box office and literally gamble everything away when normally back in the day, I mean, I mean, back in the 1990s, they would do a Western and then it would become a box office flop. And then all of a sudden you would see studios taking hit after hit. Why did you take it? Or why did you make a Western? The audience is not there for it. You didn't build it up. Now with just like you said, the streaming services, I think that's the strategy with a lot of studios. Now they're looking at like genre. Well, they need content content they need content because that's the driving force. The studios only, they don't care about Westerns. They don't care about superhero films. They don't care about anything but profit and how they can make a profit. And if they can 
find a way to bring back a specific genre, Mm -hmm. you know, and revive it and make it successful and have them actually bring in a fair amount of money so they can continue, then that's what they're going to do. And they have found that these products are more profitable when you put them in a smaller arena, but that doesn't mean we're not going to get the big box office stuff either. Kevin Costner, if anything, definitely probably could put out a Western in this day and age with in this climate currently because of the Yellowstone fame. I believe he could put out his four part movie series at the theater and would probably do relatively well at the theater as long as he kept the budget fairly low, fairly low. I mean, let's face it, dude. The last time he made a Western was, I believe, I believe the last time he did a, uh, did a Western was open range that he directed, that he directed and, and produced. I think that's what, that was the last time he's actually done a film. Not, not just like, you know, like a series like Yellowstone, but open range was the last time I believe we saw him behind the directorial uh, seat for a Western. So the last time we saw him actually tackle a Western movie was open range. And, and that, I thought that he movie did. was good. Too. That movie was phenomenal. It is yeah. one of my most underrated Westerns that I actually watched. The casting was fantastic. The story was great. It had me glued from minute one to minute, uh, the finish end credits. And if he can, if he can bring that type of thing back from open range, I think we can see some really great things from the horizon. The one thing that I'm kind of concerned about is the fact that he's making it a four-parter. That's a lot. That's, that's good. a big, but, that's a big story to tell. Well, it's a commitment, which could, it's a commitment. It could work to get people invested. If people know that more is coming, chances are people will be more willing to commit to something like, um, like going to a theater and seeing a movie. If you market it as a four-part movie, then absolutely, I think that'll help with the branding, but it can also hurt as well. Exactly. I mean, you, it's you. It's. Unf- I know I'm feel I'm sounding a little wishy washy here, but the point is, is that the movie business isn't an exact science. Sometimes you just don't know. Many times your th- studios probably think something's going to just fall apart at the box office and it ends up resonating in a big way. Look at me. Look at the recent horror film that no one thought was going to do anything. Uh, Megan from Blumhouse. Yes. And no one thought that movie was going to do anything. Everyone was thought it was a joke and it ends up turning heads, (laughs) being actually a decent movie and making an amazing amount of profit at the box office. So who knows? Now, according to this article, Kevin Costner says, I'm happiest because at one point in TV where you can get your largest audience, they're going to get to see it the way I intended it to be seen. Costner told Variety, it will eventually be cut, cut up into hour-long episodes. I'm not a fan of that, but I understand what they're trying to do. If you can make, if you can double dip, make money at the box office, and then re-release in episodic form, that may actually help cover some of the costs of the film if that's within the if that's in the plan because most films start off with a negative cost anyways yes most most people know most films in fact i'd say all films start off with a negative cost most people don't feel like they're going to make that money back on the box office it's all going to come from the back end and international distribution and then of course video on demand streaming fees 
licensing, stuff like that. That's where you start making your money. So if they do something like that, where they make these four part films and then they say, well, this is our strategy to make sure we are going to earn back our money. We're going to cut each of these films into hour long episodes as well. Then that could actually help them cover those costs. So he says it will eventually be cut up into hour long episodes or 42 minutes, however TV works. But their first viewing of it will be as four two hour and 45 minute movies. And every three months, one will come out. If you're interested in those characters, the hope is that you'll really want to watch the next one, but it won't be in our segments. That's an interesting. That's an interesting strategy, Cotton. I, I, <laughs> I mean, to me, it sounds exciting. But if I was a studio and Kevin Costner brought this to me, I don't think I would go for it. Yeah, exactly. That's why. Thank God for like the the Yellowstone, just like what we alluded to in the beginning. But maybe they're banking on that too much, though. Because Yellowstone is its own thing at this point. It is. It's no different than the actor that plays Jon Snow, who was super popular with Game of Thrones. And then he decides, you know what? I'm going to make a um, fantasy <laughs> film. Films. And it's going to do well at the theater because everyone loved me from Game of Thrones. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. You know? Yeah. So I'm hoping this works. And I like the strategy, but I. I don't know. I think the difference is that first movie has to be a fucking dynamite picture yes. for people to say, fuck yes, I'm going to go check the next one out too. I think the difference between, between that though, is like we have Kevin, Co they horizon has Kevin Costner leading the way and he is a very bankable, bankable star within one market though within more or market, within one yeah. market or demographic because i don't feel like kevin costner has any type of relevance to the younger demo you have to remember the the the, the prize demo for these studios and and uh, advertisers in general is 18 to what 49 and i don't think kevin yep. costner is bringing in those demos and the average movie demo is being marketed to 12 year olds yeah for the most part 12 year olds for now so who knows i'm hoping this happens it says it's official but i don't know if we're going to actually see horizons in the theater i have a i have a feeling it may have a limited theatrical release in feature film form and then it will be released in feature film form to probably streaming platforms and then a year or so later, it'll be broken down for network television. The crazy thing by far that I'm reading, reading the interview of his that you're also probably looking at uh -huh. where he's talking about Horizon. The one thing, just as a filmmaker, this has me interested. He says, so I'll probably shoot for eight months. He's planning just eight months, Mike, to shoot this. And he basically says, say Costner, it's a mountain, a mountain of time. <laughs> eight months to shoot four movies that's not long i know that's not that's long. the thing i'm like going wait mr costner that you eight months eight months is not long for to do like four yeah, he, movies he is a veteran though and he probably has his team and maybe he has a strategy down we'll <laughs> see we'll know soon enough god dude i hope he succeeds because i like, do too the fact that he would be able to pull this off i mean 
it would take, I think, the stink of like the the curse of Waterworld off of Kevin Costner. Oh, simmer down. There's no stink on him from that. How dare you? Production wise, production wise, <laughs> production wise. Because let's face it, every everybody that is in our industry knows the horror horror story of what happens when you plan in production with Waterworld. You get an awesome B film. You get an awesome B film, <laughs> but oh my God, it takes forever to get it done. Yeah, that movie was the, one of the biggest disasters yeah, at that it was, time. Yeah. It was all because what? The filmmakers plan, thought they could get it done in the lot of time. Well, that the budget planned. was also insanely high, and I believe Kevin Costner had ended up throwing in his own money to complete it, yes. and it just it never resonated with with the audiences. And when I see him say, so I'll probably shoot for just for eight months, I'm like going, no, that no. doesn't sound like it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that doesn't sit well with me outside of the distribution ideas, which I hope works out, I'm not a fan of a 15 year epic, like the 15 year idea. Um, we saw similar yeah. things in movies and to me, it never really works well. Cause you end up trying to age the actors and it looks silly. They did that with Hatfield and McCoy, and the Kevin Costner and Bill Paxson film. Yeah. They did that with that series where a lot of time went by and I just do not like when films progress too much chronologically, even in, a trilogy or a four-part movie, I'm not sure how I feel about that in such a short time. Now, if each movie came out every three years and it took, let's say, 15 years to complete it, that's different. Yes. So we'll see. All right, Dave, let's talk about Timothy Oliphant returning to Justified. That's right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really excited about this. It was announced, I want to say, several months back. We just haven't had the opportunity to get into it. According to... All the trades. Timothy Oliphant reprises role as smoldering gunslinger and justified spinoff. So it's not considered a sequel. It's not considered a remake or a reboot or even an event series per se. They're calling it a justified spinoff. Spinoff. Timothy Oliphant is dusting off his hat. The actor is set to reprise his role as Raylan Givens in a miniseries spinoff of FX's crime drama Justified, which ended in 2015. The title of the new spinoff is called Justified City Primeval, and it reunites Oliphant with producers of the original Acclaim series, including creator Graham Yost. Well, it has to. You can't. Don't even try to do the show without no, without, Yost. without Yost. I mean, that, to this day, Justified has some of the best Best doesn't fit it. That's not the good ad. That's that's not the, the the best adjective to use. It has some of the most clever dialogue. Yes. And interplay between actors of any TV show. Arguably, yes. It, it is written so well and so organically, and there's a wit and a banter that a lot of TV shows don't have. And a lot of the, you, yes, you can point to Tim the Oliphant and say, well, the guy just can act his ass off and he can, but it wasn't just that it was the writing because every actor in that show just worked so well off that script. Oh yeah. So you have to have the original team. If you don't have the original team, don't even bother. Don't even bother because like Timmy the Oliphant. Yes, I agree with you. I mean, did he make that series partially probably for mass audiences, but in yeah. actuality, the cast that was around him and Yost. Walton Goggins was amazing. Oh my God, dude. Walton Goggins was freaking awesome yeah. in that series. And like, I cannot picture a series 
just with Timothy Oliphant, especially if it's like, it sounds like the series, basically I'm looking at it right now. Justified city primeval is I'm looking here and it, it says that it's a prequel. No, it's not a prequel. It's supposed to be continuing. It's supposed to be continuing. Yeah, right? it's not a prequel. No. So I'm like, yeah. I'm, I don't know. I have the I have this. the details right here, Dave. Uh, the okay. new limited series is set to be based on Elmore Leonard's novel City Primeval, High Noon in Detroit. After the original series drew from Leonard's novella Fire in the Hole and other stories featuring the Givens character, City Primeval takes place after Givens' work in Kentucky. Okay. In Kentucky is finished with the U.S. Marshal living in Miami before he ends up in Detroit and involved with the case of someone known as the Oklahoma Wild Man. <laughs> God, dude, so, this sounds so cool. Yeah. So who else is cast? Speaking of Wild Men, FX announced that eight new actors were added to the main cast of Justified City Primeval. Boyd Holbrook, Vondi Curtis, Hull, Norbit Leo Butts. And Victor Williams are all officially joining as new characters alongside Timothy Oliphant. I have no idea who any of these people are. While new faces will accompany hmm. Oliphant, other Justified stars like Walton Goggins as Boyd Crowder or Jeer Burns as Wynn Duffy have not, conf- have not confirmed if they're returning for the revival. In the meantime, um, we can sit and wait. Honestly, Dave, I don't know. I love Walton Goggins' role in Justified. I don't Justified. know if you could have that character come back. I, I don't know. I felt like it was so complete. Raylan Givens' story was a little open-ended. You got the idea that there was more to come for him. The way they they just tied the bow on Goggins', Goggins character, yeah. so well done, and such an amazing arc from villain to almost like a spaghetti <laughs> western uh I don't want to call him an anti-hero, but I would say it was it was the embodiment of Tuco and Blondie. And yeah. That's that's why Justified worked for me because it took those spaghetti Western elements where you have two people on opposing sides who continually have to join forces, forces. in order to fight a common evil or yeah. a common enemy. So I loved that aspect, but the way they ended his story was so well done. I. I just don't feel like it needs to be reopened. Now, if you want to bring him in for like a cameo that feels natural for like maybe an episode, then that's fine. But I don't want to do anything that runs the risk of derailing such an amazing arc for that character. Because like, especially if we're dealing with just like, uh, I'm glad that you cleared it up that basically this, this for Raylan's story, it's basically months after the Kentucky incidents that, that, Justified was centered around. No, I think so now, I think it's fifteen years. Fifteen years. Yeah, it's fifteen. So where are you getting your long. information, David? I, I think you're reading from a conspiracy site. <laughs> uh, I don't want to give the movie movie web any credit yeah, yeah. on this it's one. It's not a prequel, David, and it's, it's not, not a couple, a couple months, months after. God, who the heck wrote this article? But anyways, so like, <laughs> I think I think honestly, if it's just Raylan, yeah, fine. I would love to see, I would love to see Goggins character come back, but it, it also depends. Like, what is the story? Why would he come back? I mean, Raylan, I understand. Yeah. Well also because he's a cop, he's a yeah. or a marshal. He's going to get positioned or he's going to get posted in different places. Yeah. It, it makes sense for makes his sense story for to story continue. continue. And the plot, David, just to answer your question, justified city primeval begins 10 years after the original series ended after a spell in Miami raising his 15-year-old daughter, 
So his daughter will be a part of the story and continuing his work as a U.S. Marshal Givens ends up in Detroit to take down a sociopathic criminal. Yeah, this sounds... I, I, I'm very intrigued. I, yeah. I feel like the best thing about Raylan Givens is throwing him into unfamiliar territory. That's what worked for the first couple seasons of oh, Justified. Yeah. The fact that he was a fish out of water, he had to be, he had to return to the place he didn't like, which yes. was his home where he grew up. He was forced to see all the people he didn't, he didn't really want, want to, to see. <laughs> you know, he knew that these people were criminals. His father was a criminal and he just didn't want to have any part of that. And that was part of the show's charm for those first couple of years. It was that pushback and the fact that he was a fish out of water. Now to throw him in a new environment, I mean, that's the way to do it, especially in Detroit. Yeah. You have a guy who's uh, you have a cowboy in the city. The city. That's an awesome setup there. Yeah. So. And I think that 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 has a lot of potential. It just depends if they get the execution right. Yeah. You know, and I want to actually keep track of this and see who who else do they cast. Well, if you keep track of it, Dave, make sure you ignore movie, movie webs, webs website <laughs> because obviously they have no, they have idea, no idea what they're talking about. Yep. Okay, last bit here before we move into our Dark Tower news. Weird Western or Absurdist Western, whatever you want to catalog or categorize this TV show, Outer Range has been officially renewed for a second season. And I'm glad, Dave, because I was a little disappointed that this show didn't create as much dialogue as I had hoped a series like this would. I didn't really hear a lot of people talking about it. And because of that, I just figured the show would be canceled. But well, fortunately the numbers, the streaming, it may not have resonated on social media, but people were watching it. People were watching. I mean, even me and you, we were really hyped on the series. I mean, I love the series. I always, I always felt that was it the ending that turned audiences away. Yeah, because they had a fantastic beginning. They had a fantastic story being told and yet basically had this really abrupt season ending where I understand you, you're leaving it open to open ended so that a cliffhanger, right? Yeah. But when you don't have your second season actually locked in, that seems kind of like, no, that's bad planning. You should have actually given us a full season and then just basically Continue the story because the yeah, story was fantastic. TV shows always do that, though. I mean, very. I mean, some. I, I shouldn't say always. There are shows that try to give you that close-ended season, but a lot of shows continue right where they left off. Now, it, Outer Range did receive, for the most part, positive critical reception from numerous real industry sites. It's sitting at an eighty-one percent currently on Rotten Tomatoes, and it has a seven point one out of ten on IMDb. And many people praised Brolin's performance as Royal, I believe is what his name was. Yeah, Royal Abbott. And the, despite the fact that the show might be confusing at times, it seemed like the surreal premise is what garnered a lot of attention because people like the mystery element. Like, what does this mean? What is happening? And I do so many feel... Things. Yeah, man, dude. I do feel like there's a danger when you do shows like that because the mainstream audience doesn't really want to. A lot of people in the mainstream, they want escapism. They want to not have to think too much. And this show is something that keeps you on your toes. Yes. And fortunately it 
didn't have that adverse effect on the audiences. It seemed like a lot of people who were watching this were in fact invested in the absurd elements, the the oddities of the show. Yeah. And like the the one thing that I find interesting for the second season is like we now have a new showrunner coming in for it who's Charles Murray because Zev Burrow is going to be stepping back and Zev is basically remaining as executive producer, but we have a new showrunner and Charles Murray taking over. Yeah. I'm not familiar with Murray. I hope he is. I hope they could continue the momentum that they had, but don't change direction. Don't change direction because that's the one thing that I feel hurts so many TV shows. When you have a new showrunner come in, he has this idea that he's going to, well, I'm going to fix it and I'm going to do this and that. And sometimes I'm like, dude, you don't need to fix it. Just start expanding on the story and make it your own, but don't change the direction that the story was going in. Especially, especially since, the way you ended the first season with that cliffhanger, I don't want to give any spoilers because Outer Range Dude was one of the funnest seasons I ever watched because it made me think a lot of like the meanings. Well, it's very philosophical. It's very philosophical. I loved it. Yeah. And then like when you get to the twist and then the surprise, you're like left going, okay, I want to see where they go with second season with mm-hmm. this. You have a new showrunner coming in and basically looking at this and saying, well, maybe this isn't the, maybe this isn't how I interpreted it from the original creator. So he might take it in a different direction. That's the danger I think is going to be for, for second season because Charles Murray is coming in and Zerv Burrow had a plan. He had a plan from the get go, but now that it's a new showrunner, just like what you just said, changing a showrunner could bring a big mess to the whole whole thing because like he could bring in a different set of ideas that basically we doesn't match with the first season you know i don't have any idea who charles murray is now apparently he is a writer he's written a few small things here and there tales of the jedi cartoon that just came out star wars the clone wars luke cage he wrote two episodes of luke cage an episode of roots for tv he wrote uh, an episode of Bastard, the Bastard Executioner. He wrote four episodes of, Son of Sons of Anarchy. So he does have writing credit, but it's only one or two episodes here. Yeah. And, and there, like nothing consistent. He is he has written since 2000. So he's definitely, no. oh, Third Watch. He was a staff writer on Third Watch, 27 episodes. So that was his longest stint on a TV show. I'm curious to see what he does. Makes me a little nervous just because I don't feel like he has. I don't think he's ever run a show before. He's been an executive producer of shows and a co-executive producer. Yes. So we'll see what he does. I'm anxious for the new season. That's for sure. So we'll keep people posted on that. Okay, David, let's get into the news pertaining to the dark tower. So Amazon has plans to reboot slash remake Stephen King's magnum opus, The Dark Tower. We have some news here. It may change within the coming months just because, as we know, television and the movie industry as a whole changes. It fluctuates. (laughs) Things change. However, it does seem like we will, in fact, see Mike Flanagan take the reins of the Dark Tower franchise 
and make it out to be or flesh it out the way it was always supposed to have been done. Not in some bullshit 90 minute movie that (laughs) decided it was going to be a sequel to a book. A sequel to an unmade movie, David. That's what Dark Tower was. Pretty much. That's how the, the, the director described it. It's a sequel to a Dark Tower. I'm like, well, what Dark Tower? The books. <laughs> the books. <laughs> but the books are books. <laughs> and then when you think, when you actually watch it, it's not a sequel of anything. It's just a retelling of what happened. Yeah, it, dude, it's such a bullshit movie. So I will say that Mike Flanagan, I like him a lot. The oh, yeah, dude, dude. Now, I don't know about his Western cred. But his horror cred. Oh, which, he has a good horror cred. He's dude. amazing. Dude. He's amazing. I mean, he started off with this movie. I want to say he got famous about 10 years ago with this indie film called, I want to say it's called Oculus. Yes. And it was like a cos, cosmic horror about mm-hmm. mirrors. Yes. And, and oh my God, it's fucking terrifying and it, awesome. And it's, it's done so, so well, like just to get the scare factors. And I think it's one of the most underrated like horror films that I've seen in the last probably 10 years, because when it first came out, I just thought it was just going to be like a, a cheesy, you know, one off. It's going through jump scare over jump scare after jump scare. No, that movie really builds up tension very well. And Mike Flanagan knows how to do it. I mean, he did it in midnight mass. Midnight mass is just really good. And one of my, one of my favorite series that he did was, uh, shoot, it just came out. Um, a haunting on Hill house. Yeah. I think that's what it was. That that's was what it's called. Spooky as fuck. Too. Spooky as fuck. Well, his, and his horror credibility extends through various subgenres of horror. So he's not just good at one type of horror because every single film or TV show he does in that genre is a different subgenre of horror. Oculus, I would say, is probably cosmic horror. Mm-hmm. Then you have Ouija, <laughs> Origin <laughs> of Evil, which is a supernatural yes. horror film. You have Gerard's Game, The Haunting of Hell House, Doctor uh, Sleep, which is also an adapta- adaptation of a Stephen King book, The Haunting of Bly Manor, which was the sequel series for The Haunting of Hill House. Then you had Midnight Mass, which was hugely successful critically. And then the Midnight Club, which I have not seen yet. So this guy has a lot of, a lot of credibility. I would say he, he definitely knows what he's doing within the horror circles. The Western remains to be seen. However, if the guy has the amount of intellect that you, that it seems he does have when it comes to, the cinema and the cinematic and the ability to craft a story that I'm not worried because one of the biggest problems I had, well, I, I say biggest, the whole movie dark tower movie was just a fucking mess. So I should probably find better words to say <laughs> the, the, the biggest problem I had. I had problems with everything in that movie, but one of the elements was the fact that it wasn't a Western. The guy didn't even have a hat. The gunslinger. <laughs> the gunslinger it, didn't have it, a- it took place predominantly in the city. It, it, they bypassed the supernatural elements and just focused on the technological aspects of the world. There was no horror at all. No, they didn't even show the world of Dark Tower, which is a shame because like 
the imagery that they could have gone with in Dark Tower is borderline cosmic horror. That's oh, the yes. One, that's what it's supposed yes. to be. Yes. And like when you watch that movie, you do not get the sense of that at all. There's nothing there. It feels no. like it's weird because the movie itself, if you just completely check yourself out and you don't think of it as Dark Tower, the movie's not horrible per se. But it's not Dark Tower. I yes. don't understand what the guy was attempting to do because it wasn't overly Western and it had no horror elements and it had nothing of fantasy as well. Because if you had to take three genres and to categorize the Dark Tower, it would be not just Western. Sergio Leone's Westerns. Yeah. That was the inspiration for the Dark Tower. One of the inspirations. It was... The Leone trilogy, the Clint Eastwood films, the good, the bad, and the ugly, fistful of dollars for a few dollars more. Those were the inspirations for the Dark Tower when it comes to the Western side, the spaghetti Western. Then you had the horror that was also a big part of the Dark Tower books. But also the other big source of inspiration was the hero's journey aspect, the Tolkien type of story. Lord of the Rings, those were the inspirations that Stephen King has talked about in numerous interviews when he was writing The Dark Tower originally. It was mm -hmm. the Spaghetti Western and the Tolkien trilogy. That's what inspired him. That's what inspired that him. And yet, that's why when I, when I watch The Dark Tower movie, I'm scratching my head because I don't understand what this is. You're confused. It, I it, get angry. It doesn't resemble <laughs> anything. So... I'm hoping Mike Flanagan understands what this TV show needs to be. Yeah. Now, I do have some details here. I want to make sure I get it right. Don't so, make a movie web. <laughs> Amazon Studios is planning an epic adaptation of Stephen King's epic story, The Dark Tower. Okay, which could finally avoid notorious problems with adapting King's work for the screen. Mike Flanagan and Trevor Macy... Heads of Intrepid Pictures, who previously produced The Shining's follow-up Dr. Sleep and Netflix's The Midnight Club, have announced that they've acquired the rights to Stephen King's The Dark Tower series and a deal with Amazon Studios. Director Mike Flanagan has unveiled plans for a new emerging dynasty on Amazon Prime Video, which could spell good news for The Dark Tower and for King adaptations as a whole. New updates in Amazon Studios' production of The Dark Tower come following a couple of failed attempts at bringing the series to life. A 2017 film was adapted, as we all know, from Sony Pictures and received very negative reception from critics and audiences alike, and it, it flopped at the worldwide yeah, box office. It did. Uh, even so, there were talks of a sequel, though no talk of a sequel has gone but But no talks, no amount of talks has actually... Uh, helped this sequel come to fruition. Amazon bought the rights to the dark tower in 2018 with the hopes of turning into a series that would act as a new reboot. Okay. So the plan is a series and movies. That's how Mike Flanagan. That's his conception yeah. of his strategy. Is that the right word? Is that the, Give me a second here. I don't think that's the right word. The conception. The conception. And eh, whatever. And it, Give me one adaptation. second. <laughs> While you're looking up at that, though, I did see something interesting that pertaining to the series. 
that there's word that apparently Pedro Pascal Please no. is being talked to play the gunslinger. I don't want that. There's I'm not, rumors I'm, of that. I, I'm not a Pascal guy. I think he is flavor of the month because of last of uh, us Mandalorian. Honestly. And then now the last of us, we need somebody different, please. I'm not, he's not the go-to guy now. He can't be. <laughs> I don't, I don't think he, I, 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 he's definitely a good actor, but he's not the end all. And anytime you have like an actor who stand, who's a standout in a TV show, suddenly people fans cast that guy into everything. And that's currently what's happening with him. Fans are just using his name and throwing it in anything they want to see him in now. Okay. So the plan is five seasons on Amazon followed by two standalone features. So that's the strategy for dark tower. I'm good with that. I'm hoping though they do fully understand why the movie failed. Stephen King has shared thoughts on why it failed. And also Mike Flanagan has also shared ideas and both of the ideas that they say, I don't know if they're trying to be nice because their ideas as to why the movie didn't succeed it seems like a fucking reach. Like they don't quite understand their own property. Uh-huh. Um, for example, Stephen King continues to say the reason why he feels like this movie didn't work is because it wasn't rated R. And no, no, I don't, I don't think it's, it's that per se. He says the real problem, as far as I'm concerned is they went into this movie. And I think this was a studio edict pretty much this is going to be a PG 13 movie. It's going to be a tentpole movie. Want to make sure that we get people in there from the ages of, let's say 12 right on up to whatever the target age is, let's say 12 to 35. That's what we want. So it has to be PG 13. And when they did that, I think that they lost a lot of the toughness of it and it became something where people went to it and said, well, yeah, but it's really not anything that we haven't seen before. That part. I agree. That I part agree, but I don't think that's tied to, being a rated R film. I think that's basically tied to the fact that the, the studios and the filmmaker in charge of the movie did not understand the imagery that would be needed to get the story of dark tower put uh, together because that's the thing is kind of like, there's some very mature elements in, in dark tower. When you look at the, its world, is it a tough world? Yes. You can do that under under a PG-13. That's easy. Problem with the movie is it didn't adhere to anything of what the movie was of supposed movie to be, or I about. should say of what the story was about. It was yeah. nothing close. It was it wasn't it was only Dark Tower in name. And that does concern me since we know Stephen King's also the producer on this series. I, he, I don't feel like I don't think he has any creative input. That's not how he typically um will work work it doesn't work that way it doesn't yeah when he lets his when someone options his property that's typically not how it works he's not a creative producer but still when he says i think the problem is that it wasn't rated r it scares me because does that mean he doesn't see all the other problems, <laughs> problems. that that movie had number one it, it these are the problems i'll tell you right now number one it ignored all the social commentary absolutely yeah which is 
so important to the initial stages of the story. The Idris Elba being black didn't bother me. However, it did make me question how are you going to deal with Susanna's character then, who was black and racist towards a white person? Towards a white person, exactly. And it wasn't about her being racist necessarily, but it was about it. It was a way to dissect prejudice in society. There was a lot of commentary there. Yeah. This movie had none of that. Then they bypassed ninety-five percent of the mystical elements from the books. Oh yeah. As I said, the inspiration for Dark Tower was Tolkien's Lord of the Rings trilogy and Sergio Leone's surrealistic spaghetti westerns of the 1960s. Right there, three elements right there. There's more, but mm -hmm. I'm just going to leave everyone with three. That is what was the problem. Not that it wasn't rated R. You can make this look at Lord of the Rings wasn't rated R. No. So if you're trying to make something that's a bit of an homage to Spaghetti Westerns and Lord of the Rings, it doesn't need to be rated R. You can make the horrific still work without it being rated R. Look at the 2005 Keanu Reeves Constantine picture. Now, that movie is rated R only because they forced it to be rated R because they thought that would actually sell the movie. But the movie was actually written as a PG-13 movie, as recently this was stated from the director himself, that he was upset because they gave him a rated R regardless of what he had written. He wrote a PG-13 movie and he had said, well, if they were going to make it rated R from the very beginning, then I would have just written a rated R movie. movie. So look how that movie works as, as what it is. And there's plenty of horrific imagery it it's very much delves to the the horror and the world of the supernatural and is mm -hmm. a, essentially for all intents and purposes is a PG-13 movie. So you don't need rated R elements to make this movie right. It no. will it would help. Yeah, it, it would, would help, help, but you don't need it. Well, especially you know like when you came when you introduce a villain like the man in black. I understand Matthew McConaughey was a is a good actor. But the character itself in the Dark Tower is supposed to be horrific. He's supposed to be freaking scary. Like, and like you don't get that sense because to me, just like what you said, they didn't understand the world they were in. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not an expert in all of the Stephen King, um, in the Stephen King universe, but isn't the Crimson King the, the, End all villain yes, of the Dark the Tower. Isn't that the same creature that is it? Yes, it's the same. It, well, technically, right? Technically, it's a little. Technically, it's a, we're a little. It's a little unclear. Correct. It's, it's one of those. But there's allusions to the fact that it's the same entity. Yes, for for a lot of like the fans of the Stephen King universe, they make a lot of fan theories. Basically, say the Crimson King is the same species as the alien from It. Yeah. So the Crimson King is this embodiment of evil that's used in it. Yes. And we have nothing that alludes to that. Alludes to it. In the movie itself. It's yeah. a fucking awful movie, dude. Yeah. An awful movie. Think about it. One of the things that a lot of fans hated about that film was the fact that there were no ties to any of the other Stephen King novels and books when in the books themselves you see the tie-ins. Yeah, I don't think it's been stated, but a lot of fans, you're right. It's a fan theory for a fan years theory. that uh, Pennywise is the Crimson, it's the Crimson King. King. And, the, and, it, and it's definitely not one of those crazy fan theories because, as we know, I would say all of Stephen King's 
stories intersect in some way, some more so than others, but there are those subtle moments. I want to say even the uh, book series about the serial killer, uh, Mercedes. Oh, uh, uh, Carrie. No, not Carrie. Um, I forget oh what it's God, called. What now. is it called? Uh, it's actually one of the first books I ever read. I forgot what the book is called, but uh, I believe even there's allusions to Pennywise being involved in that serial killers like craziness. Yes. I could be wrong. I could be completely off, but I believe there is loose connections because you have clowns, you have balloons. Balloons. Yeah. And even like all the, all of like Stephen King's works down to even misery. I, I used to remember people say, remember misery is part of the Stephen King universe. And it's like, oh yeah, that's right. All those killers and everything else that we we remember from movies like that. The Bill Hodges trilogy. Yeah. That's the name of the book. They're all tied into the Stephen King universe. Yeah. Well, Dave, you know what? Let's leave our listeners with that. I want to thank everyone for listening and tuning into our very first show of 2023 setting the table in 2023 and we're going to be getting into a lot of things we will be boosting up our show output again we had slowed down for the last couple years just because we have been trying to figure out what we want to do on this network and now we have a general idea and we're gonna push forward so listeners out there you can expect a lot more weird west radio coming your way throughout 2023 thank you david Thank you. Or said he be taken from such prison to a suitable and convenient place of execution within said county and there be hanged by the neck till he be dead, dead, dead. Now, do you have anything to say, young man? Yes, Your Honor, I do. <clears throat> you can go to hell, hell, hell. <laughs>